0: You're listening to Colorado Sports Guys Podcast. This is the Mortcast featuring Jeff Morton. Now, here's your host, me. Is up, everybody! Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host Jeff Morton. Uh, thank you all for joining me. Uh, I it's been an actual pleasure to kind of have a lot of topics and a lot of nuggets related talk- topics to talk about. Um, quite frankly, uh, it's been kind of a kind of a chore. <laughs> Um, to record podcasts uh, when the Nuggets are routinely not in the playoffs and uh, they are struggling to be relevant in their own city. Uh, Quite frankly, uh, it's not necessarily something that you want to be, uh, you know, you you struggle to find stuff to talk about when the Nuggets aren't, like, if uh, this was last year or the previous six years, the Nuggets would have... uh, uh, been done by a early april and we're now into late april um wouldn't be in the playoffs and uh, we would be talking about other playoff series or just pretending we all really 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 are interested in the nfl draft uh, which uh, of course we here at csg um are only interested in the nfl draft when ross is here so uh <laughs> sorry ross Anyway, uh, the Nuggets won last night. They won 108-90 to 90 over the San Antonio Spurs in a game that wasn't that close. At one point, the Nuggets were up by 30. And uh, the San Antonio whittled it down to 18. Uh, basically, the fourth quarter was garbage time. The Nuggets strung, strung together probably one of the most impressive uh, fourth quarters that I've seen from them ever. Um, they were... Um, extremely effective in establishing what they wanted to establish, and uh, it was a supreme ball movement. Uh, Jamal Murray was frisky. He was uh, motivated. He was everything that you needed to see from him in the first three games, uh, outside of the fourth quarter of game two. Uh, Quite frankly, Jamal Murray was uh, I, I think undisputably the player of the game, with a close second being uh, Gary Harris. Um, Don't let the—I I don't want Jokic fans to come at me here. He had a, another good, good game, but he really wasn't the story of this game. It really was Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, to a very small extent in the second unit. Um, It was also Will Barton uh, who's found himself in the second unit, which I think we all are not surprised about. Uh, If anyone's listened to this podcast, even going back to the summer, this last summer, I was saying that uh, Will Barton is a better bench player than he is a starting uh, three, and that's kind of been borne out this year, even though he was injured for the first part of the season. Uh, And the Nuggets were just... (laughs) I mean, I was there last night in Pepsi Center, spoke to a lot of coaches, spoke to a lot of players, um, really got a sense of where this team is at right now, and quite frankly, uh, this is the most confident team I have, one of the most confident teams I've ever seen. The 2009 Nuggets team was extremely confident, Uh, borderline arrogant team, cocky. Um, this team is not that, but this, this team's confident in a different way. Obviously, this team takes their cue from their best player, who is Nikola Jokic, and uh, they all kind of are cocky, are, are, are not cocky, but they're confident in the Nikola Jokic way, which is quirky. Um, so uh, it's been, it's just, it's just pleasure. The Nuggets are now up three-two in the series, and tomorrow they play a game in San Antonio, and it's it's i kind of and i and i was talking to some of the uh, the media people at uh, pepsi center trying to gauge where everyone was at and my feeling has always was going into the game not always but coming into the game was the nuggets are going to win uh i didn't think it would be a blowout but i knew the nuggets were going to win it's just they unlock something as we talked about in the last podcast they they unlock something in game four. Uh, in something that we hadn't seen before. But it was like a team, and I said this on Twitter, it was like a team that understood that it was better. This team understood that they were better than the San Antonio Spurs. And they needed to understand it. They needed to not be intimidated by the legacy. And they needed to kind of get their playoff footing under them. You know, the pressure increases as you go through the playoffs. It's, it doesn't let subside unless you're the Philadelphia 76ers fo 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 which they didn't quite make it that fo 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 but um, they if you're unless you're the Philadelphia 76ers or the Los Angeles Lakers of 2000 uh, you're going to lose games uh, and you're going to have long series and it's all about matchups because you're playing the same team anywhere up to 7 times and it's just it's just the way things are and the nuggets are withstanding haven't withstood there's still game six and potentially game seven to play but they're they're proving something to the nation right now about how resilient they are and about basically how good they are because let's face it people were calling the nuggets frauds right after they lost in game three and I think they have turned a lot ahead since then in the preceding two games. And it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, game, game six, to see what the Nuggets do in a clinching game. That is there's a huge test, huge, huge test for this Nuggets team um, to see how they respond to a, a closeout game. Closeout games are the hardest games uh, despite what Andrew Bynum said in 2012. Uh, closeout games are the hardest. And y- y- how your team responds and how your team racks, uh, responds to the pressure uh, is extremely well, will be extremely telling. And I'm, I'm hoping the Nuggets step up to the plate, and I think they will. This team knows they're better than the Spurs. The Spurs don't have much... To counter the Nuggets with, so I'm, I'm encouraged. I think they they will step up to the plate. By the way, I am outside of the CSG North Studios here in Thornton, uh, because it is such a beautiful day. So if you hear the occasional bird, uh, the occasional car going by, or uh, even wind coming into the microphone, uh, it's just because I am sitting outside enjoying a Coke Zero, and uh, and, and just enjoy it, basking in the glow of this Nuggets 3-2 lead. Um, on another subject uh, that's kind of Broncos-related, you know, I, I know I just said we're not interested in the NBA, in the NFL draft, and I'm not. Um, but we are interested in stupid shit that John Elway says. And at one point um, during his press conference yesterday, and I normally don't pay attention to this. Uh, my, I've been, as you all know, I've been slowly turned off the Broncos as the years have gone by and uh, I tried not to pay too much attention to him. Um, you do get sucked into it if you are anyway any way remotely part of the Twitter world, though. And uh, John Elway had a press conference where he was talking about Chris Harris, their cornerback, uh, and his contract negotiations. Uh, Chris Harris has a year left on his contract and wants a new deal. You know, in the NFL, they don't, you know, exactly... Uh, none of these contracts are guaranteed, so these players, uh, they get negotiated deals by making a nuisance of themselves essentially is what happened. Um, that's what Chris Harris is kind of doing. He didn't show up to voluntary, voluntary mini camp. And, um, you know, maybe that rankled John Elway a bit and things got testy yesterday when he said that he didn't have time to, to talk to Chris Harris or, or, uh, engage with him on a contract discussion. Um, but, um, he would get to it after the draft and then added completely as an aside out. He said, uh, even when we do talk to him, there's no guarantee we get something done, which was kind of a bitchy thing to say. Um, it was, and people have said, well, maybe John Elway was doing this on purpose. Maybe, okay, this is, this is, and this is something people need to understand about John Elway. And the essays, the difference between Tim Connolly and John Elway. John Elway Often has his ego tied up in these things, uh, and I think that's one of the big issues that the that the uh, Denver Broncos have had. Um, his ego got caught up with him with Brock Osweiler. Uh, to a certain extent, his ego got caught up with him with Peyton Manning when he demanded he take a pay cut. Now, uh, in his last season, now Peyton. Uh, because he went went through the playoffs and the Super Bowl, earned all the money that he got cut back, um, which you know was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna here and stand for I mean uh, thing like I'm um, I'm being some sort of protector for someone who's gonna earn you know a difference between 16 and 20 million dollars. I mean, that's not what I'm trying to do here. But L.A. gets in these contract negotiations, and even with Von Miller, he almost cost the, the Broncos a. Um, their Hall of Fame linebacker by getting caught up in ego. Um, he wants to win these things, and sometimes that, that desire to win keeps you from compromise, and he'll make stupid decisions. I think his snarky comment about Chris Harris, who immediately, about three, four hours later, uh, made public his demand to either get paid or traded. Um, the consequences of which was that now, obviously, Chris Harris, he has his own issues because he's injured. Um, there's issues that that you could say the Broncos are rightly concerned about when it comes to their star cornerback. Um, and I could see how, you know, but as soon as Elway made that snarky comment, he showed where his ego was. And that is something, you know, for it's taken a while, but uh we'll say something about Tim Connolly. Uh he definitely does not have the ego of John Elway. Uh in no way, shape or form. Obviously John Elway has been on you know, he is a uh Super Bowl winning quarterback, uh legend in Denver, kind of a a legend to the extent where he is uh untouchable. Uh, that is not Tim Connolly, but Tim Connolly is also humble, and he also shows that he cares about his players, which is something that uh, Elway, specifically with his veterans has struggled to do. Now, LA football is a different game, and I've always I've always kind of tried to stop compare uh, not comparing cross sports, specifically when it comes to any other sport and football particularly since football is is the only sport where uh the owners have on un- 100% unfettered control over the situation uh and their contracts aren't worth the the paper they're printed on you know quite frankly uh it's it's hard to it's hard to compare it's hard to compare those things so the the nu- the, the nuggets and broncos you can't really go into this situation saying that it's similar similar in in any way other than the fact that they're both general managers. However, Tim Connolly has uh, largely acquitted himself very nicely by being being humble and understanding that in his sport, you need to have loyalty and you need to show them loyalty. Um, I think people need to, I think, uh, I'm going to give you a little inside information here. Uh, and I, I may have gone over this before, I may have gone over this before, but uh, if I haven't, uh, if I have, I apologize, but I kind of need to go over the story. Um, one of the bad things that affected the Nuggets for a couple years after Masai Ujiri um, left was the Nuggets got the reputation of being completely disloyal in a league that really values love. I'll put you that way. And Masai signed uh, uh, Nene to a uh, five-year, thirteen million per year contract. It was about sixty something million, and immediately regretted it. And then traded him uh, shortly after he signed the contract. I believe he signed the contract in December, and Nene was traded in March. That was uh, that was the quickest. I think I don't. I don't think I've recalled a, a Nuggets player ever being. Uh, traded that quickly after he signed. Other, you know, may, maybe it happened in the past, but that was it was so quick. And then he did the same. Uh, uh, Aaron Aflalo had signed a same deal that year. Aflalo was traded that off season. Um, and Masai Ujiri and the Nuggets got the got the reputation of signing people only to trade them, and it really hurt the Nuggets. It really hurt them with the players and. One of the things Tim Connolly had to do uh, at that some expense to his own reputation was to establish that the Nuggets were again a loyal team and a team that's not going to invest in you only to trade, turn around and trade you. Masai Ujiri is a great general manager, but I think he learned his lesson uh, because he has not done the same thing in Toronto. He has not, quote unquote, as he used to say, accumulated assets. To then flip them. Um, it was something that the Nuggets were trying to do at the time, which is sound. Uh, honestly, I think that's a sound business practice, but in a league where you, the players have a lot of power, you can't do that. And the, it destroyed the Nuggets' reputation, along with Andrea Gadala leaving, and along with other factors. Um, the Nuggets had to rebuild from that along with rebuilding from losing their coach losing their general manager um, they one of their best players being having torn his ACL right before the playoffs um, and missing an entire season there was a lot that the Nuggets had to overcome and they made some mistakes along the way but in showing the loyalty that he did Tim Connolly really established that the Nuggets were going to value you now obviously like I said sometimes that loyalty is uh you wish he wouldn't be so loyal and specifically when you know maybe giving mason Plumley too much money um you know establishing certain things like that but at the same time it's the way you have to do business in the nba and tim Connolly has in doing that restored a large portion of the nuggets credibility, along with obviously drafting Gary Harris, drafting Nur- Yusuf Nurkic, who has turned into a, a really good player with Portland, uh, drafting uh, obviously the star, Nikola Jokic, drafting um, Jamal Murray. All these things uh, combine together to uh, establish a different kind of culture with the Denver Nuggets, as opposed to what has become an increasingly nasty and vindictive culture with the Denver Broncos. A a culture that is extremely paranoid about losing. Uh, A culture that is, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, destructive to team building. And part of that is... Not necessarily in showing loyalty to your players, but it's treating them like garbage when the time comes, uh, and that sort of thing. It's like a lot of these a lot of these uh, Broncos players will show a lot of love to the organization, but in, it's more of a I like the fans because you know the, fan, the Denver Broncos fans are extremely loyal and. I'll give that to them. You know, Broncos fans are extremely loyal. I was one of them for a very long time. And uh, it's kind of addictive, that quality, right? You know, it's addictive to have that constantly being playing, playing in front of a packed crowd who's going to be cheering for you. It's, you know, it, it kind of lends itself to something that the Nuggets, quite frankly, haven't had uh, for uh, large portions of their existence outside of the 70s. This uh, a team that has not necessarily been playing to packed houses. The Nuggets were able to turn that around, but their it, the journey the journey there isn't what the Broncos was. The Broncos have always had loyalty, and the players love that sort of thing. It's from the fans; they love it. Uh, Not necessarily from the various people running it because that's the way the NFL runs. But when you add into it a culture of ego, then you start having trouble. And the culture of ego around the Denver Broncos is starting to become destructive. There needs to be more humility. The Broncos, specifically their management, needs to show some more humility and understand where they are. Because if they don't, they will keep on this cycle of, of ever since the Super Bowl uh, in 2015, the, the, the Broncos have been trending in an extremely mediocre way. And I don't see a way, even with the signing of Joe Flacco, that they get out of it. And they need to show the humility it takes to understand where you are and build the right way. And by publicly demeaning your player who has been with you under a, fran- under a very <laughs> team-friendly deal, uh, I don't necessarily think that's the way to go. But who knows? So anyway, the Nuggets are up 3-2, heading to San Antonio for tomorrow. Hopefully they wrap up the series in San Antonio. Regardless, uh, after that game, I will be podcasting, uh, so expect that to be coming. Uh, Otherwise, thank you all for joining me, and I'll be seeing you later. Goodbye.